The Wide Ride Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Miami Hurricanes ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest ways to get into the game. Canes basketball, by the way, is just getting underway, and there are in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section. You don't just have to go to Canes games, by the way. There are tickets across all major leagues and teams, including your Miami Heat. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate with easy two-tap checkout. In addition, on Game Time, you can purchase shows to concerts. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm going to switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge. Surge. The new Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. we got a special episode for you today as uh, The Athletic released its all-decade teams for the 2010s. And I actually picked a team back in July, right before the season started. I thought, okay, there's nobody on this roster that's going to fight their way in. But uh, I'm going to have to add Gregory Rousseau to this team uh, when when uh, I get a chance here to sit here and debate some of the choices I made with my producer, Mike Zimmerman. Mike, I want to bring you on and, and, and talk about uh, this team that I picked. I know you are a Miami fan. You've got plenty of interest in the Hurricanes, so you're a perfect guy to bring on to debate some of my choices here. But one thing, uh, one thing I want to bring up early on, obviously this was a very disappointing decade for the Hurricanes. One trip to the ACC title game. Uh, this year, of course, they didn't make it again. Uh, but, you know, the one thing that you take away from the 2010s if you're a Miami Hurricanes fan is you had some of the best offensive players, even special teams players, um, you know, at Miami. You had the all-time leading quarterback in terms of passing yards in Brad Kaya. You had the all-time leading rusher in Duke Johnson. You had two tremendous kickers in Michael Badgley and Matt Bosher and Pat o- O'Donnell, who's a kicker, uh, punter, actually, in the NFL. So you had some quality players that made it through the decade. Um Mike, let's start at quarterback. Uh, first off, Brad Kai, I mean, it was a slam dunk decision, but y'all, honorable mention, I put Stephen Morris. In your mind, where do you think Brad Kaya sort of ranks among Miami's all-time quarterbacks? Well, uh, that that's tough. I mean, when you're comparing quarterbacks who have won championships uh, to Brad Kaya, who really came in to Miami at, you know, at their mediocre years, it's tough to to really compare him to those past winners but in terms of his production I I think he's most certainly up there with the best of them I mean he did leave the program as you mentioned the all-time passing leader and if you see where he came in his first game against Louisville his freshman season he looked scared man he looked very very scared as a true freshman should in, in his first ever collegiate game to where he ended up I think I think Brad Kaya's career is definitely up there with the best quarterbacks in Miami history. Yeah, certainly uh, worthy of the praise and certainly worthy of the selection. The other thought that popped into my head uh, was, you know, you look at uh, Miami and what they did in 2017. Obviously, they made it to the ACC championship game with Malik Rozier at quarterback. But, you know, Brad didn't come back for his senior year. He decided to enter the draft, goes in the sixth round. Do you think how different do you think Miami's history might have been with a healthy Brad Kaya starting his senior year in 2017? Would Miami potentially have had a chance 
maybe to beat Clemson and maybe they finish better than 10 and three. I think so. Anyway, what, what's your opinion? I, I think they do finish better. Uh, I don't, I think they do have a better chance of beating Clemson with that said, I don't know if they, they would have because Clemson, even with led by Kelly Bryant, were a very talented team. You know, they're a college football playoff team. Um, I, I think though, Kaya would have given them a better chance than, uh, Malik Rozier did because, I think Rozier, you saw, was very limited with his arm. Sure, he can run, but when he was contained in the pocket, couldn't make any throws, and that was Kaya's bread and butter. And I think um, early in that ACC championship game, Miami had their chances, and uh, Rozier couldn't make the throws. Miami couldn't take advantage of them. And I think with a, a senior quarterback in Kaya, you know, it was more likely that they would have um, taken advantage of those Clemson miscues and... And, you know, it could have been a huge, um, a huge season for Miami if Kaya stayed. But you know, we're playing the what if game. <laughs> yeah, twenty-two and sixteen record, ACC Rookie of the Year in twenty fourteen, uh, number one all time at UM in completions, attempts, passing yards. Um, finished third in terms of uh, completion percentage and touchdowns. Um, Ken Dorsey and Ja'Cory Harris were the only guys who threw more touchdowns than Brad did. Uh, but had he stayed, he would have had every record at Miami, and, and who knows what would have happened. All right, let's move on to running back because one guy who, you know, I, I didn't pick a player of the decade per se when I put out this list in July, but certainly I think it's pretty safe debate that Duke Johnson was the best player of the decade in, in, for Miami. Um, you know, not only what he what he did as far as a running back leading the program, uh, leaving the program after three years as the all-time leading rusher, but also as a kick returner, as a pass catcher out of the backfield, he was without question – uh, one of those players that that did everything uh, for you and helped you win games. And, you know, one of those seasons, uh, Duke was actually – it was cut short because of the uh, ankle injury. I think it was his sophomore year when he got hurt at the at Florida State. Um, and, and that was the game that Miami had was 7-0 and and ranked in the top 10 in Florida State. You know, the year they won the national title, Duke got hurt in that game. But um, I picked him as the running back, and without question, he delivered. Um, some of the honorable mentions – there were some good ones. Lamar Miller, Travis Homer, and Mark Walton, all three of those guys obviously drafted. Lamar Miller's had a pretty good pro career. Um, where do you think Duke ranks? I mean, obviously there's so many great NFL running backs that have come out of this program. You know, Willis McGahee, Clinton Portis. When you look at, at Duke Johnson, even though he's number one on the all-time rushing list at Miami, where do you think he really ranks in the running back pecking order at Miami? Now, I, I think this also comes back to the whole Brad Kaya conversation as well. These players, you know, came to UM when they when they were average now that means you know he didn't have Duke Johnson didn't have the best offensive line didn't have the most help as players like Willis McGahee and Clinton Portis and Edron James had and so in terms of you know comparing them I think Duke Johnson did more with less than the than you know some of the other greats so you know if that's the case I think Duke Johnson needs to be propped up even higher you know based off of what he had and not even and to not even get into you know the whole coaching uh situation as well i i think that he did more with less and he still came out as miami's all-time leading rusher which is unbelievable yeah uh, 3519 yards on 526 carries a 6.7 per carry average which is just remarkable um yeah he, he also tied clinton portis for the most 100 yard rushing games in school history with 14 um one of nine players this decade to earn all ACC first team honors. There weren't a lot of them. When I picked this team, I was like, all right, I'm just going to look at the ACC first team, right? I'll go year by year. 
found nine guys that made the All-ACC first team. So just, again, it goes back to the me mediocrity of the Hurricanes in, in the 2010 decade, just not winning nearly enough. Uh, with some of the talent they had. Obviously, there were a lot of obstacles. Uh, the Nevin Shapiro scandal at the beginning didn't help things out, uh, kind of sabotaged Al Golden in the beginning. But uh, in the end, you know, Duke Johnson, Brad Kaya, two quality players that I think if you were to come up with a Miami all-time, you know, team, they'd certainly make the honorable mention on that list uh, without question. All right, receivers. Uh, Stacy Coley, Leonard Hankerson, Alan Hearns, those were my three choices for receiver Leonard, uh, the only receiver this decade to earn all ACC first team honors from Miami, did so in 2010, ridiculous senior season, 72 catches, which is a school record, 13 touchdown catches, had more than 1,100 yards, second most uh, for a single season, and he left the program sixth all-time in catches, receiving yards, third in career touchdown catches. Leonard's one of one of those players that people forget about. He played in the NFL some. He was, only, I think he was in the league about three years but you think back to that 2010 team, I mean, that guy was just unstoppable that season and really impressive in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and I think, the, you know, with Leonard breaking Michael Irvin's uh, touchdown reception in a single season record, I think that even though he played one season in this decade, which is, you know, what we're talking about, the all-decade team, that season alone is better than just about every single receiver's career at Miami this decade. So I think you, you definitely have to include Hankerson on this team. Yeah. And Coley uh, is a guy that, you know, was there for four years. He had a fabulous freshman season. Everybody looked at what he did the last three years and said, Oh man, you know, what a disappointment. He didn't live up to the expectations, but you know, he still left Miami second all time in catches behind Reggie Wayne, uh, 166 catches in his career. Uh, Wayne had 173. He also finished fifth in receiving yards Tied for fourth uh, with Wayne in touchdown catches. He also was a phenomenal punt returner. I named him as, as the punt returner uh, on the all-decade team. I, I put Duke Johnson as the kick returner. Um, the other guy on the list, obviously, that made this first team was was Hearns, who um, you know had a single-season record for receiving yards with 62 catches, made all-ACC all second team in, in 2013. Now, of course, he's with the Dolphins. Um, the two guys that I put as honorable mention, Amon Richards for what he did his freshman year before the career-ending neck injury, and then, of course, Philip Dorsett, who was one of just four first-round picks for Miami this decade. It's crazy. You know, you talk about all the players. Miami's put a lot of players in the NFL this decade, but only four first-rounders, and Philip was one of them. Yeah, and I think Amon Richards, too, it was a very similar player, not in terms of on the field to, to Stacey Coley, but huge freshman season and, and unfortunately for uh, for Amon it was uh it was injuries that kept him off the field and eventually his career at UM but it you know both coming in with you know high hopes as freshmen both having outstanding freshman seasons and then sort of tailing off i thought that's that's a it was a neat comparison seeing Amon Richards um on that list because of that you know incredible freshman season and then Alan Hearns too he's just your typical solid guy you know what you're going to get from him you know if you throw the ball anywhere near him he'll come down with it wasn't the fastest guy wasn't the tallest guy couldn't jump the highest but he just did everything so well of course tight end is, is probably the, the one position that I think Miami's consistently even through this decade continued to produce quality guys that have gone on to the NFL and had success um, so I had a lot of guys to choose from but I ended up going with Clive Walford um, because no tight end caught more passes in his career at Miami than Walford did. I know everybody looks at Jeremy Shockey and 
you know, Cullen Winslow and all oh, those guys, you know, they were first round picks. Uh, Greg Olson, th- those guys w- are, are all going to be better. But for this decade, Clive Wofford uh, was the best one, in my opinion. Again, more catches than any other tight end, 121. He earned all ACC second team honors in 2014 when he led the team in catches. 14 career touchdown catches, also the most ever by a Miami tight end. Um, my honorable mention, I put three guys, Chris Herndon, who, again, you talk about another guy in the NFL who, who's got potential there with the Jets, David Njoku, who was a first-round pick uh, with the Browns. He, you know, he's coming back from injury. And then, of course, Brevin, who we all know is going to be uh, in the NFL one day. Uh, I put him as honorable mention even before the season because I knew his numbers were going to be pretty good. He's a, a Mackey semifinalist. Any problem with what I did at tight end? No, I, I think – all three of your honorable mentions, Herndon, Njoku, and Brevin Jordan, are all more talented and I think better players than Clive Walford. Mm-hmm. But out of those three, we've just seen flashes. You know, Herndon had, you know, a few good seasons, but then his his senior season really performed well. Njoku only we really saw one big season out of him. Brevin Jordan, we were only seeing his second season. Clive Walford did it for his entire UM career. He, he really put together a, a all-decade career, whereas Herndon, Njoku, and Brevin Jordan, all more, you know, Flashes. a year here, a year there. Yeah. Well, Walford uh, with the Dolphins as well, so he's still in the league. So obviously he's not uh, a guy that uh, people don't, you know, that people have sort of given up on. He's still playing, so he's obviously a talent. Offensive line, this is who I went with. And believe it or not, the Hurricanes have had more offensive linemen drafted this decade, seven than any other team in the ACC other than Florida State. So, you know, you talk about the offensive line problems of this program this year. They've still had seven guys drafted this decade uh, on the offensive line. Uh, so I put Orlando Franklin as uh, Orlando Franklin, and Eric Flowers. Eric, of course, was a first round pick of the Giants. Um, him and Orlando were the two tackles. Brandon Washington and Brandon Linder. Linder, who's the highest paid center in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Tyler Horn, who I listed as a center because Linder played guard. When he was at Miami, those were the five starters uh, that I picked in the offensive line. Honorable mention, Casey McDermott, who was a starter here for multiple years. Danny Isadora, who's in the league uh, now. Uh, Shane McDermott, the center. Uh, Jonathan Feliciano, who we've had on this podcast. I've made him honorable mention. Um, he had a really good career at Miami. And then, of course, the very hyped Chantrell Henderson, um, who you know was a five-star kid and really didn't live up to the hype here at Miami. But he still uh, played, played and started a lot of games. I made him honorable mention. Any problem with the offensive line? No, I, and I think you had a lot to choose from as well. Uh, like you mentioned, this decade was was full of of very good offensive linemen uh, for the Hurricanes. I think one thing that just stands out to me is Brandon Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he's the un he's the forgotten guy in that uh, Miami Northwestern 2008 recruiting class with all the Jacory Harris, Darius Johnson, Sean Spence, all these. All these bigger names. Everybody forgets Brandon Washington was on that Northwestern team as well and came in with them and sort of was just the quiet guy, maybe because he was the offensive lineman. But he he's the unsung hero, I think, from that recruiting class and really lived up probably outside of Sean Spence, was probably the best player um, out of those eight guys that came from Northwestern. Yeah, and you know what? The only offensive lineman to earn all ACC first team honors this decade. That's, you know, that's part of the reason why he made it. And, you know, he's kind of like a cautionary tale as well, I think, for a guy like Navon Donaldson. Because Brandon Washington left before his senior year, ended up getting picked uh, in the sixth round, I think, uh, by the Eagles. And now he's uh, in the Canadian Football League. So, 
you know, his career didn't really pan out in the NFL, and he was one of those guys that everybody sort of thought, well, he'd probably benefit from coming back for his senior year. I think Navon Donaldson is obviously in the same boat. Um, you know, you look at, at him, and maybe, you know, NFL dollars would be tempting um, because he's been a starter for a long time, just like Brandon was. But again, I think with another year with Butch Berry, it feels like Butch Berry has a much better grasp for this offensive line and, and how to develop players and, and be more technician type because uh, we've seen the improvement in so many of these guys uh, this season. All right, let's switch over to defense, defensive ends in particular. I, you know, I didn't put uh, our, our boy here, Greg Rousseau, on the list initially, <laughs> but I'm going to put him on first team. I'm going to add him as sort of like a special little uh, addition uh, along with Joe Jackson and Alan Bailey as, as my uh, defensive ends, my uh, – you know, all decade defensive ends. Obviously, you got to put Rousseau in there because he's got uh, the best decade, uh, you know, in ter- I mean, the best season in, in the decade in terms of sacks, 12. And he's only going to add to it here these next couple games. Uh, one of the best seasons of all time. And I think a player that all of us sort of foresee being a first round pick down the road. But two guys that I did put on there originally back in July, Joe Jackson, Allen Bailey, very deserving. Um, he, I thought Jackson never quite got his due with the Hurricanes. He earned all ACC honorable mention. Um, this past season before entering the draft, ended up a fifth-round pick of the Cowboys. But he led the team in sacks, um, had nine, um, as well as uh, you know his freshman year as well, he led the team in sacks, got the fourth-most sacks all-time in UM history in a three-year span, uh, you know, 24. So he was a, he's a productive player. And then Bailey, you know, he, he, he only played one season this decade in 2010, but he was All-ACC second team after earning first team uh, in, in 2009. He had 31 tackles for loss. 19 sacks and he's been in the NFL for a while you know between the Chiefs and uh, the Falcons and I, I, you know Allen was one of those guys that I thought was just very deserving my honorable mention Trent Harris Chad Thomas Anthony Ciccolo and John Garvin your thoughts on the defensive end position uh, I, I think Joe Jackson certainly belongs on there Allen Bailey I I think he he had a lot more hype than he actually produced you know just because he was such a physical specimen and, and he kept moving uh, all over because his body kept changing. Mm-hmm. I think that he gets a lot of notoriety because of that. I would also throw in maybe two more guys, not necessarily because of their stats, but because I, I feel like they came up with the big plays, and that's Olivier Vernon and Marcus Robinson. Mm-hmm. And the, those guys only played, I think, one season, maybe two seasons in in this decade. Um, but I think they really, um, especially Marcus Robinson, came up with you know big time sacks when they needed them. And I think you can throw them in honorable mention as well. Good point. I, I, good, good guys, and I, I remember looking at them and saying, "All right, I can't make this honorable mention list too long." So I, that's why I kind of trimmed it at those four <laughs> guys. But yeah, you know, the the one disappointment obviously was Anthony Chicolo. Uh, I caught up with Chicolo and, and Tracy Howard uh, this summer to write about you know the whole five star highly touted thing. You know, coming to Miami with these big expectations and not meeting it. And Chicolo, it clearly wasn't his fault. Uh, you know, Al Golden looked at him and said, "He's a defensive tackle," and you know, of course, now he's in the NFL with the Steelers as an outside linebacker, a guy that clearly was more of an edge rusher, and they really ruined his career. But I think Anthony Ciccolo, had he played for a different coaching staff, not played for Mark D'Onofrio and Al Golden, he would have been a guy who certainly would have made this list because he's uber-talented, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. And I think that can be said for a lot of guys that we're discussing as well. They were put in, um, in maybe wrong positions and have flourished more in the NFL than they did uh, at UM. Defensive tackle was pretty easy. Gerald Willis uh, had probably the best season of any defensive tackle at Miami this decade. R.J. McIntosh, uh, he was the other selection I made as far as defensive tackle. I put uh, Kendrick Norton 
uh, as honorable mention. I really think the defensive tackle position is going to get strong here in the years to come. You know, Manny Diaz has sort of talked about those three freshmen uh, that are, you know, redshirting this season as guys that are going to be, you know, stars in the near future. I think John Ford's a solid player for them. Pat Bethel obviously has had a pretty good career. Uh, but I only put one guy's uh, honorable mention. Of course, it's sad that it was Kendrick Norton whose career was cut short after that car accident uh, when he had his arm severed. So, But Gerald Willis, um, you know, and then for him to go undrafted uh, was just crazy. He had 18 tackles for loss in 2018, uh, ranked second in the ACC behind uh, Cleal and Farrell, who was a first-round pick, finished with 59 tackles, four sacks, all ACC second-team honors. Um, you know, I think Gerald, without question, was the best defensive tackle. Um, what Any thoughts on, on Gerald and, and what maybe his lasting legacy is? Well, I think Gerald Willis, we were waiting so long. It felt like, at least for me, to see what he could do since he transferred from Florida. It was like, oh, you know, everything we were hearing from practice is, you know, he's really tearing it up. He's really impressing. And we had to wait to see him until, you know, he had, he sat out. And when he did finally get on the field, it was very impressive. And I think that it, it was one season, um, but... I think, like you said, still earned all ACC honors, uh, all ACC second team honors, excuse me. And I, I think for any Hurricane fan that that watched, he he was a disruption the entire season. Like there wasn't a, I don't think there were very few snaps that he wasn't in the opposing uh, team's backfield. Yeah, he he was consistent, and, and just a shame that he couldn't get himself drafted. He cost himself some money with some of the history, obviously, that he had at Florida and Miami, getting himself in trouble and emotional issues and stuff that he was dealing with. Uh, but a, just a great 2018 season, the best season by far by a defensive tackle at Miami in a while. Uh, linebacker, by the way, was more of a pretty good debate here because you had some quality linebackers this decade. Um, the three guys I chose, Denzel Perryman, Shaq Quarterman, and Sean Spence, I put Michael Pinckney as honorable mention. It was hard to kind of put Pinckney on honorable mention because I feel like he's done a lot of the same great things, obviously, that Shaq Quarterman does. Shaq this this weekend against FIU. Uh, becoming the 50, you know, 50 career starts, tying William Joseph for the all-time record. So um, to me, those three guys, without question, Perryman, Quarterman, Spence, all all deserving. Uh, Perryman, um, when you look at all ACC first-team honors, he did it twice in his career at Miami, uh, which ended in 2014, had 350 tackles, good for ninth all-time. Spence earned all ACC first-team honors as a senior in 2011, finished his career at Miami with 318 tackles, 47 for loss, the most by a hurricane since UM joined the ACC in 2004. And then Quarterman, of course, who we just mentioned, all ACC first-team honors last season as a junior. He's probably going to get it again uh, this year. Has a chance to catch uh, both Perryman and Spence on the all-time uh, tackle list. Came into this season with 249 tackles, 31 for loss, leads the team this year uh, in those categories uh, again. So, um, where do you, when you know, you look at the great linebackers of all time, do any of those three guys, do they come even in the vicinity of the John Vilmas and the, uh, Ray Lewis's and, and, you know, some of the greats, Michael Barrow, do they, do they come anywhere near that? Or do you think there's a clear separation? Oh, that's tough. I think out of the three, out of Perryman, Quarterman and Spence, I think Quarterman is the closest. Um, now again, I, I think that's the theme for this, um, this decade is that these guys really did it without other All-American linebackers next to them. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at a guy like John Vilma. Uh, he looks to his right. He has DJ Williams. You know, it's like another All-American guy to help him out, which, you know, could have made his job easier. You don't know. So 
I think out of those three, I think Quarterman's the closest. But it, it's so tough when you're talking about comparing them to guys like Jonathan Vilma and Ray Lewis and you know all these all these legendary Canes linebackers. But I think the one thing that they all have in common, Perryman, Quarterman, and Spence, is that when when you think of that mold of a of a Canes linebacker, I think all three of those fit that mold you know sideline to sideline running downhill uh stopping the run first very smart guys and i think i think that's why i mean you tell me if if i if i'm putting words in your mouth but i think that's why you pick them not only because their production on the field but they really fit that mold of a classic canes linebacker yeah they did and you know the, the one thing i'll say you know they were all hard hitters but i felt like perryman you know, I, I just remember, I felt like every time he made contact with somebody, it was like, boom. You know, you, you always felt like that aftershock, like he was really laying into somebody, um, you know, and, and credit to him, you know, for being a great hitter. And he's still in the NFL with the Chargers and, and playing well. Uh, Quarterman, um, you know, he yeah, he was to me, Quarterman's deal. His weakness was always pass coverage. He would get beaten pass coverage a whole lot. But there is something to say about you know, setting the record for consecutive starts. I mean, this the toughness. He played with like a torn labrum his freshman year, uh, ended up, um, you know, having back issues, and, and he just fought through all of that and was steady, sort of the steady Eddie on his defense. And, and you know, not to be outdone, Pinckney, by the way, also I think he has somewhere in the range of 46, 47 career starts. Uh, so, look, both of those guys, to me, um, you know, you look at this decade, even McLeod, we're going to get a chance to see McLeod again next year. But all three of those guys, great job by Manny Diaz, uh, coaching those guys up as true freshmen, putting them on the field as true freshmen, and, and just getting the most out of that talent. Let's move on to cornerbacks. The three guys I chose, Corn Elder, Artie Burns, Brandon Harris. There were four cornerbacks in all that made all ACC second team honors. None made first team. But Burns was a first-round pick. Elder, of course, um, known best for scoring his winning touchdown against Duke on the uh, wild eight lateral kickoff return. But he was a very good cornerback, uh, put up really solid numbers, 158 tackles, six sacks, 27 pass breakups, three interceptions. He was the guy, Corn Elder, of the three guys I mentioned, he was the guy that to me, you know, it was like, man, I wish he would have developed a little bit more, um, you know, and had a chance, you know, maybe to – to get better. And I, and I feel like, you know, because of all sort of the coaching upheaval and, and Mark D'Onofrio and, and all that kind of stuff, um, he didn't, he, he didn't maximize his talent, but he was a really talented guy. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way about Corn Elder. Um, you know, had all the skills, you know, blazing fast, um, you know, a little small, but you know, very, very physical. And, and I think he, he did develop, I think a lot more under, under Manny Diaz, um, whether it was you wanted him to develop more or develop sooner, I think you can make those arguments as well. Where he, you know, he didn't really uh, burst until his senior season. But uh, I mean, he he had all the tools. It's it's just a shame we didn't see probably the best we could have. Yeah, and by the way, Burns, this was this was jarring. I put this into my story. Um, He's the only quarter cornerback we've had drafted in the first round since Kelly Jennings in 2006. You think about all of the incredible cornerback talent that that oozes out of South Florida year in and year out. Um, and, you know, the guy you get, Artie Burns out of Miami Northwestern, he's the one guy who gets ch- uh, taken in the first round. Um, again, just one of those positions that it felt like Miami didn't maximize what they had in some of those players and maybe wasn't able to squeeze out the best. Brandon Harris, by the way, played his final season in 2010 before leaving early for the draft. 
Uh, had a pretty stellar career himself, 132 tackles, four forced fumbles, four interceptions, 28 pass breakups. My honorable mention list for cornerback, Michael Jackson, Trajan Bandy, and Malik Young, who, again, another guy. You talk about Malik Young, career-ending neck injury, just like Amon Richards. It was a shame because Malik was playing a lot as a freshman and sophomore for this program, and then, of course, gets hurt in the Orange Bowl game in 2017 and never plays it down again. But just disappointment. All right, let's move on to safeties. Um, Jaquan Johnson, Deion Bush, those were my two selections. I made uh, Ray Ray Armstrong, Sheldrick Redwine, and Rayshon Jenkins honorable mention. I feel like safety was a pretty good decade, man. Like, you know, Jaquan was a solid starter. Dion was a solid starter. Sheldrick probably could have, you know, you could make the argument he could have been one of your uh, you know, first team safeties for the decade. And certainly Rayshon Jenkins, you look at him and what he's doing in the NFL now with the Chargers. He had a big interception the other night. Yeah, I, I, I think safety uh, is probably the deepest position of the decade uh, for the Canes outside of offensive linemen. I, I think you could make the case um, to put Rayshon Jenkins or Sheldrick Red, Redwine, excuse me, ahead of Deion Bush. I, I think Deion Bush, uh, he was, you know, three-time All-ACC honorable mention, but I think just the way that Jaquan played with both Rayshon and Sheldrick, I think, I think just those two, the combination of of those three, I guess, mm-hmm. it just really, I, I, it 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 improved Miami's safety position to where we haven't seen we ha- we didn't get to see uh, probably since Kenny Phillips, uh, you know, and for some reason Jaquan Johnson played better with. Sheldrick Redwine and and Rayshon Jenkins. Maybe that maybe that's I'm just picturing them on the field together, yeah. and that's why I'm giving those two the nod ahead of Dion. Right. But um, that would be my case for those two. Well, and I think Dion again. This is the Mark D'Onofrio factor, right? Like he yep. he, he yep. didn't get the coaching. You know, he was playing in this uh, you know sit back and read and react defense versus you know playing under Manny. And I and I really feel like you know that's that's sort of maybe the most frustrating thing about this decade was. While Miami had some really good offensive players, had they only had a different scheme defensively, they would have been to more than one ACC championship game. It really did come down to Mark D'Onofrio's defense and him not maximizing some of the talent that they had there. When you think about Anthony Ciccolo on the defensive line, right? Like if you if you put Anthony Ciccolo as an edge rusher, you know, does Miami's defense, you know, struggle as much as it did? Do they give up as much yards uh, and, and points as they did? instead of putting him inside and trying to beef him up and make him a defensive tackle. And I think it's the same thing in the secondary. You know, I talked about Tracy Howard earlier, a five-star cornerback, a guy who had oodles of talent. Everybody in the country wanted him. The number one, you know, the number one cornerback coming out, I think back in, uh, what was it, 2011, 12, whenever that was. Um, You know, and he just, again, never developed. And it just it was just kind of disappointing that the first half of this decade, you had some good defensive players that just didn't get the coaching that they needed. All right, let's move on to special teams. Um, I ended up putting Michael Badgley as the kicker. Um, you know, the the Money Badgers. Is that what his nickname is in the NFL? <laughs> um, it should be. He's, he's playing very well with the Chargers. Yeah, he wasn't always the most accurate kicker at Miami, but left in 2017 having made more field goals than anyone else. He was 77 of 97 on field goals, including a career-long 57-yarder as a sophomore. Set the single-season uh, record with 25 field goals that season. Obviously, you know, I got I know a lot of people who are pro Matt Bosher because they love the fact that he would go and <laughs> tackle guys. Uh, Bosher and first team honors twice in his career, once as a kicker in 2019 and then as a punter in 2010. 
And then you know, at punter, you had Pat O'Donnell, who was also All-ACC first team in 2013, led the conference with a 47-1-yard average, the best mark by Miami punter ever. So, um, you know, I think it was no-brainer special teams to put those three guys there and, and, and all three of those guys still in the NFL kicking. Yeah, for sure. I, I think those were those were the, the easy picks. I, I think that, you know, Bosher, O'Donnell, and Badgley were, were as solid as they get when it comes to college, uh, you know, because college is a crapshoot when it comes to field goal kicking, as we've seen around the country. But I think those three, you felt comfortable with them doing their job. You yep. weren't worried it, about a shanked punt. You weren't worried about a, a easy missed chip field goal. Yep. And it's crazy because you think about the elite punting and kicking that Miami had for most of this decade. Then, of course, they go through last year. We were like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and then back. So this year, it's like uh-huh. you ended the decade with probably the two, you know, between the punting uh, and, and the issues Fiegel's had. And then this year with backs with the field goals, it's like, wow, you end the decade with such struggles on, at a position that you really dominated, I think, for the whole decade. Um, yeah, I, I for mentioned, sure. I mentioned earlier um, Duke Johnson and Stacey Coley, the uh, kick returners and punt returners. I know you had no argument with that, but go ahead. I know you had a point you wanted to make. No, I, I think in terms of uh, another option, I, I think you can throw in Jeff Thomas. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think he's shown that he's capable of doing everything um, that Duke Johnson and Stacey Coley um, were able to do as well. And I think you could also make the argument he's got more talent. Now, that, that's saying a lot because Duke Johnson is in the NFL and uber talented. But I think Jeff Thomas may be the closest thing we've seen to Devin Hester in terms of talent. Am, am I wrong? Yeah, again, but another guy who I think, you know, in terms of raw speed in the open field, just didn't develop the way that you hoped. You know, yeah. and obviously some yep. of the off-the-field issues had to do with that. Uh, but again, I you know, it's it's almost like I feel like we can do an, an, another entire podcast of, you know, just looking at, at, at the players who maximize their talents versus the ones who didn't and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, who's sort of at fault. Uh, for this decade, because there were certainly talented players that came to Miami. You know, those recruiting classes, those rankings, there's a reason that Miami still was in the top 25 most years in recruiting, uh, because they did get good players. It just, the talent, you know, development and, um, you know, off the field issues and things like that, to me, cramped a lot of the success that this program could have had. And hopefully Manny Diaz in this next decade Seems like he's getting off on the right foot here, right? He's starting to, to you're starting to see improvement in a lot of different players on this roster. Hopefully, this next next decade is better, and you see more on field success for this program. Yeah, and it starts with recruiting, and I think Manny Diaz knows that, and I think he's he's off and running uh, on the recruiting trail. So we'll see what the uh, what the next decade brings. Yep, Mike, I appreciated you doing this podcast with me, brother, and uh, you know, for our listeners, of course, we're gonna have more podcasts coming up here. Uh, in, in the weeks ahead, uh, be sure to tune into the Wide Ride Podcast for, for Mike Zimmerman, uh, my producer, and my co host today. I'm Manny Navarro. We will see you again soon. Miami, surge, 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 surge. Kane's cartel coming through. Tell me what these other teams gonna do. Orange or green, on the screen. Hit with a full head of steam. Come to your side of town. 60 minutes of smackdown like the rock was still